Good morning. 17th of January, 2024. And it feels like it's a we've entered a slower part of the news cycle, but I don't think we have. We are now a month after fiducia supplicants, and we're still talking about that document. We have bishops releasing statements. Vigano released a statement that I'll have to uh, probably cover tomorrow or later on, because I also have some other news that I might need to get to tomorrow. But we've seen the reaction to this. And now we've got reactions from not just good bishops, we have reaction from Francis himself. And it's uh, pure Francis, his reaction to how people are responding to the document. It's an unusual sort of thing to see, really, a story. I haven't seen a story dominate the news cycle this much since Bishop Strickland, and really since probably Traditionus Custodis. We've had things, you know, they'd come and go out of the cycle within a couple of weeks, but here we are a month later still talking about this and still people having enough interest in this to tune into these kinds of uh, live streams. So here we go, right? Um, I, when a good bishop speaks out against this, there's, they're always taking risk, right? Bishop Strickland showed us that. The uh, Cardinal Burke showed us that. I mean, after all, he was punished for some other resisting other things that Francis and Fernandez have done. And they took everything from him, basically. So there's no one who's safe. It, but the, le the, the less secure position you have is the further, like the lower you are on the Episcopal hierarchy. And that's why so few good priests have spoken out about this, right? Because they're not even bishops. They exist at the mercy of their bishop. And if their bishop puts too, gives them too much leeway on things, they will get a call from Rome. Excuse me. So keep that in mind, because what I have for you, we were going to start right off with is something from Bishop Rob Mutzertz. He's an auxiliary bishop from Holland. An auxiliary bishop is an assistant bishop. Think uh, Bishop Athanasius Schneider. He's an assistant bishop. He has no territory of his own. He is essentially assisting another bishop. And when an auxiliary bishop speaks out publicly, they put themselves at great risk, especially the more Catholic position they speak out in favor of. And I'll say this again, probably here in a few minutes, but I don't know what uh, Bishop Mozart's position is on the liturgy, Vatican II, any of that stuff. But I do know that we are in a perilous time in the church and he is taking risks to defend basic Catholicism 101 stuff. So here's his letter. It's unambiguous. The letter comes from LifeSite News with this headline. Dutch Bishop blasts cowardly fiducia supplicants urges scandalized Catholics not to leave the church. This pontificate will naturally come to an end, writes Bishop Rob Mutzertz. Should you obey him? No, stay in the church. And here's what he has to say. Fiducia supplicants, the controversial declaration of the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith, is above all a cowardly document. It refuses to name James Martin practices as intrinsically evil. It is now clear that fiducia supplicants is not about an expansion of the meaning of blessings, but of a deliberate modification of what is sin. Objections from numerous bishops, indeed bishops' conferences, and hundreds of priests and faithful are arrogantly dismissed. The document explains blessings in such a way that they no longer have a clear meaning. This happens more often under this pontificate. When concepts become vacuous, they're easily manipulated. Don't call a, a child in development a child, but a just a bunch of matter, and you can do whatever you want with them. Then the Moloch ritual is not what it is, but surgery. 
give blessings a new meaning, and you can do anything with it. The magic word that is, is then easily pulled out is pastoral. A formal blessing is not allowed, the Declaration says, but a spontaneous blessing is. That is, quote, pastoral. How often the word pastoral is used to set aside the magisterium, to set doctrine and life in opposition to each other, and then to condone life that is at odds with doctrine. Pastoral care is no longer soul care. It has become soulless. Doctrine is set aside. After it all, all it is only words. It says nothing about the real meaning, or so people reason. Nominalism is back from never being gone. Subjectivism and relativism reign supreme today at the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith. Dicastery of destruction would be a more appropriate name. Where this all leads is clear to me. In my country, Holland, this development began in the 1960s with a so-called pastoral council. All doctrinal concepts were eroded. Thomas Aquinas was cancelled. William, William of Ockham was put on the throne. They called this council pastoral. By now, the Netherlands is the most secularized country in the world. There was only one bishop who resisted. He really cared about the souls of the faithful. The rest were silent. In the Netherlands, the subject of pastoral theology was invented. But it is not a science. It is used to relativize real science. That is exactly what Pope Francis is doing. That is exactly what Cardinal Fernandez is doing. That is exactly what Fiducia Supplicans is doing. Morality is pitted against dogmatics. That is exactly what Morris Letizia has been doing. One thing is forgotten. All these concessions are to secular culture have no appeal to young people. Liberal seminaries and congregations are withering. On the contrary, it is the traditional seminaries and congregations that are flourishing. While the church in the Netherlands is nearly in a permanent state of stasis, with the average age of churchgoers is over 70, I see meetings of youth groups growing. They often come from atheist backgrounds but are searching for the truth. Through word of mouth they come to the Catholic Church, to pastors who are simply Catholic, who do not proclaim vague theories but are faithful to tradition. What is the desire of these young people? They long for the Eucharist, to worship, to dive into the deep. It is they who have rediscovered the sacrament of confession. In time, things will turn out fine. Perhaps the current developments in the Vatican are a blessing. Now the state of affairs in Rome is clearly coming to light so that a reversal is possible. Look at those with whom the Pope surrounds himself, with James Martin. Francis is promoting McElroy, the man who believes the Church should change his teaching on the James Martin sin. Let's just call it by its name, which I would if our host would let me. He promotes Hollerich to Cardinal, Hollerich who believes that the Church's morality regarding matters of the flesh is scientifically and sociologically wrongly based. He writes to Sister Janine Gramic that he supports her New Ways ministry. He promotes his Argentinian friend Fernandez to Cardinal and head of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. This Fernandez has written impure books in which, among other things, he blasphemously describes how someone far too young has a matter, an experience of the flesh. He also expands enormously on the apex of the marital act. And it is this Fernandez who has to judge the misuse of the, well, the Ted McCarrick problem in the church. Any bishop who finds out that one of his priests has written such an unsavory book would immediately suspend him. Pope Francis doesn't. He doesn't see the problem. By the way, it is not the only such book Fernandez has written. He wouldn't do it now, he says, but he in no way distances himself from it. And this man is the author of Amoris Laetitia. Is the Pope Catholic was until recently a rhetorical question. Nowadays, it is a question. What to do? This pontificate will naturally come to an end. Is he the valid Pope? Yes. Should you obey him? No. Stay in the church. Don't leave the church. It is the church of Christ. That church is holy. The personnel are not.
And for those who object to him saying that Francis is Pope, just remember, you are never going to see an active bishop with a diocese or an auxiliary bishop or an active cardinal say that embrace Andrea Cioni's position or Dr. Ed Maza's position or whatever it is uh, Archbishop Vigano has been sort of hinting at or any of the other competing positions. They all will publicly acknowledge him as Pope, at least until he goes to meet our Lord. At that point, you may see some interesting opinions come out during the interregnum, the formal interregnum, we'll call it, and, and lead up to the conclave. That is when you might start seeing some interesting things come out. But until then, you, you, you will see none of them do so, because the moment they do, Francis will have them removed from their Episcopal office. We know this because he's removed people for far lesser offenses than to deny that he is actually the Roman pontiff. You know that. I know that. Most everybody else knows that. And yes, Jack, that is a very a powerful statement. It, it was short, too. I was surprised. Some of the letters I brought to you, I've wondered when I was reading them and recording them, if I'd be able to fit them into a single upload because uh, the st streaming host that I use only allows 10 minutes of per video for an upload for pre-recorded stuff like I like to do with letters where you can read and follow along yourself. Um, but yes, press like if you haven't. It would be greatly helpful. And welcome to all of you who are joining us a bit late. Um. JP says, when the captain of the boat goes off, you cannot jump ship to save yourself. That's pretty much true. And in that letter, we had no fluff. It's absolutely true. Sometimes you don't need to do a lot. Like, there's reasons I do shorter form videos, 12 minutes, when my doing pre-recorded pre normal videos. Because to tell the truth on a single subject, you don't need to spend a lot of time. Sometimes you do. That's why the other longer form channels do their thing. Um. Kathleen Francis talking about microplastics in the uh, in the live chat. Uh, I I know a lot about that stuff. If you want to email me, I'll let you know. It's not the subject of what we're talking about here today, though. So, um, but again, that letter far clearer than anything we've heard from Rome. And I don't know where that again. I don't know where Bishop Mozart stands on things like the Apostolic Mass, Vatican II, whether it, he believes it to be an implementation problem or if there are problems therein within the documents themselves. That's where I stand as does uh, our Bishop Athanasius Schneider has publicly said he believes there's problems in the Vatican II documents themselves that need to be revisited. And he's literally the only one in the Episcopate I've heard say that. But on the question of the final battle, according to the message of Fatima, Bishop Butzeret seems rock solid. For those who don't remember what that was, the final battle, according to Our Lady of Fatima, would be over marriage and the family. Food for thought. One wonders if anybody thought when that over the years, if they thought that would be a fought a battle fought within the church itself, instead of between the church and the broader culture, because everybody I've seen comment on that always frames it in the church versus the culture. They never thought that we would be facing this within the church itself, but here we are. Now that having been said, we've hinted at this already with the treatment of Bishop Strickland, Cardinal Burke, and everything else a few minutes ago, but. Francis doesn't like all of us resisting his heresies. I already mentioned last week that he wants us to stop resisting and instead just pray over his radical ideas and proposals until we can serenely accept them. Now he's gone further. So we go to doing a lot of life site today, but here we go with another one from them with their headline. Francis accuses those rejecting fiducia supplicants of reaching quote, ugly conclusions. Catholic bishops around the world have voiced concerns with fiducia supplicants. Opposition to the document has been so wide-ranging that now the entire continent of Africa will not implement the practice of such blessings. Um, a reminder what that 
headline in what the article itself doesn't tell you is that they, the Bishops' Conference of Africa traded not having to implement the document or acknowledging how Catholic and valid the document is. That is noteworthy, as I went over my live stream yesterday, if you didn't see it. But the African Bishops' Conference accepted, essentially, the document in exchange for not having to implement it based on the social conditions clause that are in, that's in the document, meaning that it would be imprudent for people who want such blessings to publicly step forward and ask for them because it could have really, really dire consequences for them in society. And <clears throat> they, on those grounds, the Vatican gave them that leeway on paper. Although I really think there's actual ecclesiastical politics going on here, including an eye to the to whatever the next conclave is coming. Because when a conclave comes, this document is going to be discussed there. Even if that conclave is in five years, Francis hangs around until he's in his 90s. They will still be discussing this document. Probably with an eye towards debating whether the church wants to continue down that path or unlikely to undo it, but instead a bring in a temporary placeholder moderate who can calm the waters of division in the church. That's my suspicion. It's going to be one of the, you're going to eat those are your two main choices. Neither choice I'm pleased with personally, but here we're going to, we're going to turn to the article here because Francis does not like the resistance going to him. So from it, quote, Pope Francis has come to the defense of fiducia supplicants and its proposal for blessings of double S pairings saying people have jumped to ugly conclusions about the document because they do not understand it. Sometimes decisions are not accepted. In most cases, decisions are not accepted because one does not know things, says Pope Francis, speaking about the December 18th Fiducia Supplicants text he approved. Francis' statement came as part of a January 14th video link appearance on Italian television talk show, Che Tempo Che Fa, which has reportedly watched by some 3 million people. Referencing the opposition to Fiducia Supplicants, which has come from all corners of the church across the globe, Francis said that there was a, quote, danger of reaching ugly conclusions about things which one does not like. This is what happened with these latest decisions on blessings for all, he stated. The pontiff defended the text, which was drawn up by Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez and approved by the Pope, saying that, quote, the Lord blesses everyone, 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 those who come, every person. Continuing, Francis said that the Lord blesses everyone who is capable of being baptized, that is, every person. He added that then people must enter into conversation with the Lord's blessing and see what is the path that the Lord proposes to them. Echoing his recurring theme of accompaniment, Francis further noted that we have to take them by the hand and help them to go on that road, not condemn them from the beginning. And this is the pastoral work of the church. End quote. Okay, let me, can I point out something obvious? We reach ugly conclusions, as he calls them, because... We watched him allow the worship of an idol in the Vatican on multiple occasions. We come to ugly conclusions because we know his track record. We were here for Amoris Letizia, which is what was the final straw for a lot of people. We saw, we have seen him constantly work with secular elites for their evil end of decade program. We especially saw this with Fratelli Tutti. If you've been watching me since 2019, you remember my coverage of Fratelli Tutti, which I warned people was just a secularization and an embracing of the secular program by some very bad people. We have seen him vocally support and in writing James Martin and his program. We saw him take pictures with 
sister Janine Gramick, big smile on his face, and then writing letters to her, found out he was her pen pal. You know, if you remember what New Way's ministry was, we've seen him shelter Ted McCarrick type priests and bishops. We saw him only act on that problem, Ted McCarrick, when he was forced to. Now, Francis links the universal blessings he's mandating to the sacrament of confession. Not saying you need to go to confession and making a valid confession before receiving this, the sacraments for that blessing. Thank you for the coffee. <laughs> no, that would be too much clarity. No, what he's saying, the logic behind it is the same as receiving going to confession. So back to that, although I'm going to check the chat here for briefly. Um, Trent says he's surprised that the... Cardinal Fernandez book isn't a bigger controversy. I would assume the secular media would pounce on any opportunity to further tie the church to this sort of thing. Um, I've seen a little bit of secular media talk about him, not as much as you would think. It is remarkable. <sighs> yeah, a lot of people are saying some pretty spicy stuff in the chat today. Um, but yes, so he, again, ties us to the sacrament of confession, sacrament of reconciliation or penance, right? And He's trying to link them logically, not go to confession, go forth and sin no more, et cetera, et cetera. Because if he did that, no, nobody would care. You know, if the document Fiducia Supplicans was about placing your trust in the grace of God to stop sinning and to do, you know, live according to your state in life. And then he used the, su the subject of the double S pairings and irregular situations as an example of people who were prepared to leave their past mistakes behind them and to seek the new life in the, in Christ and the sacraments. Okay. We probably would have been toasting the document as the most Catholic thing he did. We would have called it his humane vitae. Instead, he does this quote, the pontiff who made a previous appearance on Che Tempo Che Fa in 2022 expanded in this pastoral work of the church by linking his defense of double S blessings to, to a practice of universal forgiveness in the sacrament of reconciliation. This is a very important work for confessors, he said. I always say to confessors, you forgive everything and treat people very kindly as the Lord treats us to us. And then if you want to help people, you can talk always. Take them forward and help them move forward. But forgive everyone. Francis revealed that in his, quote, 54 years of hearing confessions as a priest, he had only denied offering absolution one time, stating that the reason for withholding it was, quote, the hypocrisy of the person. He urged priests to emulate this style, instructing them that, quote, always I have forgiven everything, but also I will say that with the knowledge that the person maybe will relapse, but the Lord forgives us, help not to relapse or to relapse less, but always forgive, end quote. You know, the thing that bothered me about that really is that we are all hypocrites. Every single one of us, we're all hypocrites. That's kind of the point of Jesus repeatedly hammering on hypocrisy. We're all hypocrites to a degree. And the process of sanctification is to get ourselves out of a state of hypocrisy. It's how you avoid being a Pharisee. But the problem with Francis' statement is that by his logic, no one can be forgiven in the confessional since he only refused absolution to a hypocrite. Of course, there's got to be a threshold for the hypocrisy he's talking about. Now, all this comes at a time when Francis's approval rating in the U.S. is reported to be at its lowest of all time. And I found this story fascinating because there's uh, it, it rests on the idea that our approval of him matters. It doesn't. It doesn't matter at all. If, the, if he's the pope, our approval rating does not matter in the slightest. Even if he's an anti-pope, our approval rating of him does not matter. 
Why not, though? Because Francis is not running for re-election to the papacy. The lady have no say in his job, whether he gets to keep it or not, under normal circumstances. The only way this matters is that it's a sign that more American Catholics are waking up to the evil going on in Rome. Now, I said the lady have no say in who's the pope under normal circumstances, because there's that persistent rumor that we're going to get a document on a conclave soon that makes it more synodal in nature, bringing laity at least into the discussion process behind closed doors, if not as a voting block in a conclave. Which, if that happens, I mean, you're probably going to get Hollerick or Togley or somebody like that as Pope. Now, this story is fascinatingly comes from uh, Crux Now, and I keep being told I keep saying that wrong. Well, okay, but um, they say it's at an all-time high. Don't be, uh, don't be taking that to be like that. The means that it's all that uh, high of a number. So, quote. A new survey conducted this past December has found that while most American adults still have a favorable view of Pope Francis, the percentage that hold an unfavorable opinion of the pontiff has risen to a new 10-year high. The survey, conducted December 1st to 20th by Gallup Organization, so a professional polling organization, found that 58% of American adults overall have a favorable opinion of Francis, the same as when he became Pope in 2013. However, over the same period, the percentage of American adults who have an unfavorable opinion of Francis has risen from 10% to a new high of 30%. This is all Americans, not just Catholics. Again, not the on this, the opinion of Americans who are not in the church matters even less. The percentage of American adults who have who have not heard of, or hold, how do you not hear, hear of who the Roman pontiff is? But anyway, who have not heard of or hold no opinion of the pontiff has also dropped from 31% in 2013 to 11% in the last survey. The survey data shows a similar trend among American Catholics as among American adults generally in the sense of a rising level of unfavorable opinion. Perhaps unsurprisingly, given a polarized political environment in both church and state, Francis's favorability amongst self-described liberal American Catholics has increased since 2013, while his favorability among conservative American Catholics has declined. The survey found that 77% of American Catholics overall have a favorable view of Francis. 77% compared to 80% in 2013. Meanwhile, 17% of American Catholics have an unfavorable view of Francis, up from 5% in 2013. The percentage of American Catholics who have not heard of Francis or have no opinion of him fell to 4% from 14% in 2013. As for what the survey found when breaking down American Catholics by their ideologies, 70% of, of liberal American Catholics have a favorable view of Francis, up from 54% in 2013. Meanwhile, 42% of conservative American Catholics have a favorable view of Francis in the latest survey, a decrease from 62% in 2013, the data shows, end quote. And why those numbers started out so low, broken down by ideology back then, is Francis was sold to us as a conservative pope. That's how they, you might remember that. It's remarkable thinking about it. I actually remember Father Nicholas Gruner back in 2013 doing a video for the Fatima Center or Catholic Family News, I don't remember which, where he was in St. Peter's Square right after Francis had come out onto the Logia, talking about how you know, Jorge Bergoglio was a, was a conservative who uphold Catholic orthodoxy, yada, yada, yada. Like six months later, uh, I also watched a video of uh, Father Nicholas Gruner weeping. <laughs> that's the stuff Francis was doing, so it didn't take long for the truth to emerge. But it, that's why the numbers were so divided at that, or so close that time, why conservatives conservative Catholics in America actually approved of him more than uh, liberals did at the time, because that's how he was being sold to us. But only 23% of American Catholics view him unfavorably in America. 
That is remarkable. Given how far donations have collapsed at the parish level in the United States, which begs a question. I would love to see some research on tithing and what they call political ideology in the church in America. I'd love to see that breakdown, right? I'd love to see the data on that to understand it more. But clearly we have a lot of work to do if most American Catholics think favorably of Francis. I mean, 77% is the kind of number that American presidents only get during wartime, to be honest with you. That's where we are, folks. Francis has the lowest approval numbers in the among American Catholics in uh, his entire papacy. And it's still numbers that most American presidents would, presidential candidates would, you know, be dancing in the streets if they had those numbers. All right. I'm going to check the, the chat here. If there are any questions, this is your time to get them in. Michael said, our good priest at his traditional mass on Sunday said they cannot give blessings for of the kinds of questions because they would be participating in the nine ways of participating in their sins through counsel. Uh-huh. Let's see. Now you've got a priest there who actually... Under, who not only understands like the stuff that he learned in seminary, but one of those with the rare gift of being able to communicate it to you in everyday language while still treating you with the, as if you were as, you know, with, with the respect you're due versus somebody who tries to dumbs things down. There's a difference between that. And he's absolutely right because uh, one mortal sin is the sin of bad counsel. One of those things that we never think about doing. All right. If you do not believe that our Lord is present in the Blessed Sacrament, then his pastoral care is pleasing to them. If you know Jesus is present, body, blood, soul, and divinity, then you cry. I mean, yeah. Um, a lot of people saying that they, they remember. Thank you for the uh, super sticker, JP. It is greatly appreciated. Uh, a lot of people saying they actually remember Francis being sold to us in 2013 as a sort of an orthodox conservative pope. Something to think about, especially in the reporting that's going to come in the next conclave. This entire sector of YouTube didn't exist in 2013, save for, I think, at the time, the remnant of church militant. That was basically it. So we'll see what kind of coverage happens going forward. Linda Chris reminds us that about 70% of Catholics who attend Mass regularly, by the way, according to uh, Pew, I think it is, don't believe in the real presence either, so she's not surprised. I wonder if there's a correlation there. Again, if I could look at the data set, the actual data set, not just, you know, the questions and answers, but the actual, like, the the numbers that they crunched into their algorithms and things to uh, give you what those percentages were. I could actually probably dust off some quantitative research method skills I have to find out. And if not, I think I know of a couple of uh, YouTubers who probably be able to help me who are social science trained and with PhDs and actually know this stuff. And I suspect are Catholics and on our side and generally things. Um, all right. I don't... Robert says he doesn't give one dime to the dioceses and the SSPX is booming with private donations. That's the other thing, right? That's where this is all going. Like the dioceses are, are, are suffering, but a traditional or the traditional groups are doing well, relatively speaking, especially with vocations. All right. That, that seems to be about it. Um, oh, Tina asked, will priests be asked to bless what Pius XII called the private sin? Or the personal sin. And I, I love that term for it. That's how great, that's how this stuff sounds to her, that that's what's coming next. Don't be surprised. I mean, it's an open secret that a, if that if someone goes to the confessional and that there's a chant with a priest they're not familiar with, there's a chance they're going to be told, well, it's a, it's a bad habit, so it's not that big a deal. Just say an act of contrition and go up next time to receive the Eucharist, which is terrible advice. Terrible advice. All right, folks.
thank you for tuning in today. If there is a no, were we spicy enough this morning? Yeah, the, 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 the live chat was pretty spicy. I, I'm not going to lie. It was pretty good. But um, thanks for tuning in today, folks. And remember to always pray for anybody that we reported on here today That's that, you know, stirs up negative feelings in you instead of languishing in anger. Remember that uh, to uh, use that, uh, to use that sort of energy instead to pray for their conversion or pray for their salvation or pray for something positive for them. But prayer is the answer to that. Anyway, as always, folks, thanks for tuning in and pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria. <laughs>